Hurdle and Hughes presents The Power of Partnerships. Welcome everyone to the Turtle and Hughes podcast, Power of Partnerships. My name is Jonathan McLean, I'm Marketing Director for Turtle and Hughes Integrated Supply. Today's episode, I've got with me Barbara Giddings, Sales Manager for Turtle and Hughes Integrated Supply. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Jonathan. I'm so excited to be here to be talking about Navigator. We also have Josh Green, Turtle and Hughes. He's our administrator behind Sales Navigator, as well as other programs such as Salesforce. Hi, Josh. Hey, Jonathan. Nice to see everybody. All right. And our special guest today is Michaela Spanis. She's a relationship manager with LinkedIn Sales Solutions. Good afternoon. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. Maybe what we'll do is we'll start off with kind of the journey to how we got to where we are today. You know, why Sales Navigator? Why now? For us, it was simple. You know, uh, we realized the interest and focus of our target markets moved to a digital journey, you know, a customer experience, especially post-pandemic. I think during the lockdowns and, and the change to business moving to hybrid models, you know, we sort of all retreated behind our screens. And what we have found, you know, as a result of that is that's kind of where the conversations as far as business development and establishing new relationships has sort of stayed. People are still comfortable working in a digital realm. Uh, we're not seeing them in some of the uh, traditional channels, although we still have them, you know, word of mouth, uh, conferences, great website. Uh, SEO and other paid strategies, which you know we're still using and are are fruitful, but we seem to be missing something. You know, the conversation moved. Our ideal client and our conversations that need to happen in order to build trust and interest and alignment with our ability to solve their problems seem to be lacking from those traditional channels. Uh, we had a robust business development pipeline, but we were really wondering where the market might have shifted to as far as those conversations that lead to new business, you know, and in our particular industry of integrated supply, those lead times can, you know, be upwards of a year in some cases, lots of RFP, RFQ phases, a lot of relationship building, and it all starts with trust. It starts with a conversation. So with the prevalence of social selling and the fact that, you know, this human connection is the foundation of any successful business development opportunity, we need to get back in front of decision makers, expanding brand awareness, we need to, to focus on areas such as LinkedIn. And the more we learned about Sales Navigator, the more we understood we had to add this essential tool to our business development strategy to develop new opportunities. So Barbara, you've been a champion of this. I've been working with you. Josh has been working with you as well. But from our perspective and, and just how deeply ingrained into the process of using the tool for only a couple months now, you know, what sort of changes or successes or discoveries have already happened. You're right. It's only been just a couple of months. And yet I have been doing business development for Turtle for a year. And inside of two months, I've been able to locate and dialogue with over 600 new contacts. And those contacts aren't just contacts. They're the right contacts. They're the people inside of those companies who can bring us in or perhaps on occasion tell us that, you know, they're just not going in that direction. Uh, but being able to have that dialogue has just been wonderful. Um, prior to Navigator, trying to operate off of lists, you know, that you can buy and there, there are many of those out there, but uh, you work for days and days and days and you might finally get a person 
who is low on the totem pole and you need to climb and now you have to climb up uh, with navigator you can get right to the people that you need and the people that you want and so going beyond that we're able to target we're actually able to strategize okay who are the customers the large customers that we we want to talk to and you know being able to go into navigator and have them map out for me who those decision makers are in a particular section of a company it takes only minutes and you know only a couple of days before you're having a substantial dialogue with them and meetings get scheduled and we're on our way we're just really scratching the surface of what navigator is able to do for us we have successful meetings uh, right now my goal is two successful meetings with the right people uh two a week i'm going to quickly add three a week to that as we continue to to march down all of the tools and the processes that our champion michaela helps us learn and as i get to the next level and i'm able to actually ask a question to michaela she's able to answer that question and then also add other processes that work well and it comes along with stats too i'm kind of i kind of throwing it to you here michaela because I, I think that there are still other tools that you have in in your tool belt that i will naturally be coming along and you'll be showing me those so so maybe you want to talk a little bit about that yeah absolutely and honest the one thing that jumped out was that word dialogue because i think you can have as many lists as possible and you can have a ton of outreach which we all know is important in sales but if you're not getting the responses then that doesn't lead to the opportunities that are eventually closed one. So I think some of the most powerful components of Sales Navigator and LinkedIn data in general is having that feedback loop to be able to share back with you, hey, here are the titles that are responding best to the outreach. Here are the ones that we should target with this type of messaging. So that way we can continue to boost that over time. And Turtle, which is super impressive, has a 14% response rate on the outreach since we've started, which is significantly higher than we see on cold calling and email, which is usually between one to 3%. So it really does work. Um, and I really, I'm gonna steal that word dialogue from you, Barbara, because I, I think that's a key part of the conversation. I thought I stole it from you. <laughs> you might have. <laughs> well, nonetheless, it's those, again, warm introductions uh, to break the ice, I think is a Michaela phrase. And then to Barbara's point, you know, the depth of those contacts, you know, they could be second or third degree contacts within the platform that the tool basically allows you to not only research, but understand how they interrelate. Or if there is someone else on our side through TeamLink uh, who has a connection to that person, which is a segue to maybe starting a conversation with somebody. I, I will say, you know, in the very beginning, reaching out to people in this way was a little feels a little uncomfortable. It's not maybe, you know, I'm being in sales. I'm so used to having those dialogues right in front of the customer, either in their lobby or lobby conference room. Probably the third time in that I started to open up a dialogue with a potential customer, it started to get very comfortable very fast. And then along with Michaela's, you know, suggestions of if someone isn't accepting your connection requests, you can go into LinkedIn, look at their profile so that they know, oh, that's the person I keep <laughs> ignoring. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, then, and then you can go back into Navigator and, you know, write them a little note saying, here's the reason why I'm looking at your profile. 
And uh, that usually gets their attention pretty fast. <laughs> and, uh, and then you can end the message, just a quick, quick message of just trying to connect with you and see if your company and my company are a good fit, a good match. And uh, it often leads to continued dialogue. Engaging with their content, not making it all so much about yourself, but possibly a soft sell on, you know, how you can help solve their problems is a great way to start a message, you know? Yes, absolutely. And I think that was another change for me is prior to Navigator, I would try to connect with people on, we both, you know, have this particular customer in common or something. And the process that Navigator kind of lines out for you is really, you don't really want to do that. You just want to talk about them and that's it. And then maybe down the road, you can start to find things that you have in common, like, you know, hiking or kayaking or, or whatever. But um, the first couple of steps in contacting with them, um, you really want to just, you know, concentrate on them. And what works well for me is how long have they been at their current company? Did they just get there in the last year? Have they been there for 25 years? And, you know, if they've been there for 25 years, then I remark to them about, wow, what a great career you've had. That seems to be a pretty popular way for people to then respond to me. And you and I had had an offline conversation in regards to, again, just making it personal and, and leveraging the tool for, again, a human connection. You know, brands are one thing. I run our company's LinkedIn company page and there's only so much tolerance for a brand communicating to you or how much research you want to do in it. But what we have found even on the LinkedIn side, even with recruiting a human, you know, uh, an employee. Uh, posting a job opportunity is light years ahead of posting a job opportunity on our company page and linking it through to our career center. So these human to human connections are important. You spoke about, you know, some of the interests you like to link in, but you and I talked about diversity. We are a fourth generation woman owned, woman led corporation. And you're finding that even that information helps, you know, start dialogue with your peers, women peers in the industry as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Making those connections with companies where it is important to them to have a certain percentage of diversity suppliers, that can often also spark a conversation with the purchasing person that you're trying to engage with. Just in the subject line, you know, we are a tier one woman owned WeBank member and we qualify for a tier one diversity spend. That really is powerful for customers. And also in terms of creating a parallel, creating relationships with their diversity champion of their company at the same time so that we're engaged with, with both of them. And, and typically uh, large customers who uh, where diversity suppliers is important and they want to take advantage of that tier one diversity spend, already having a relationship with the diversity champion at the site is pretty critical. So Michaela, I guess it's a fair statement to say that it not only works for sales professionals looking to develop opportunities, but the brand can, you know, also benefit from using Sales Navigator as well, right? I think I have to look at it holistically, right? Because when you think about a company and most people are putting a lot of dollars and a lot of creative energy behind what's going to get people's attention. So if you look at it more holistically in terms of how are we going to market together to drive this message home? That's what's really going to be key to the success of the salespeople who are on the front lines reaching out, you know, for the actual meetings. But uh, one of my favorite lines that I think is really pertinent 
to LinkedIn and like how we coach people up to use it is our ex-CEO, Jeff Wiener, used to say, trust is consistency built over time. And so I think about that when I think of all of the different efforts that go into having a LinkedIn presence, whether that's on the company side, on the salesperson side, on the marketing side, right? Like it's everybody uh, pitching in to help build what somebody's perception of your business is over time. So how big does an organization have to be to get the most out of Sales Navigator, Michaela? You know, do they have to have a CRM in place? Is there a difference between the corporate plan versus premium or are they the same thing? We have a tool that works for everybody. So there's an individual version of Sales Nav for somebody who's maybe just getting their business off the ground. It's called Sales Navigator Core. And that's for anybody who's one to eight uh, professionals on the sales side. And then as you get bigger than that, we usually recommend you move to the corporate plan because that is where uh, you get somebody like me to help with coaching and you can connect with your CRM. So it's not it's not a must to have a CRM in place, but it definitely is additive if you have specifically Salesforce or Dynamics, because we have a pretty robust integration with them. And the way that we look at the two systems working together is Salesforce or your CRM in general would be your source of truth and Sales Navigator is your system of engagement. And together, there's a a loop there. So they don't have to kind of do double duty on both. You can have two distinct instances that are working together to ultimately give you that data that we were talking about earlier to understand what the ROI is. So you don't start from scratch in Sales Navigator, right? You can basically leverage some of the prospecting that's been done on the LinkedIn side or, you know, leads or development you've got in, you know, SRMs or CRMs. Yeah, it totally depends. If you're connecting your CRM, then we ingest any information that you're responsible for from the CRM. So the companies that you're targeting, any of the the contacts that are associated with those companies so that you don't have to start from scratch uh, and you can hit the ground running and start getting those proactive updates so you can start engaging and building those relationships over time. So Josh, from that, you know, technology standpoint, you know, the CRM sync between Sales Navigator and our instance of Salesforce, was that an easy setup? Have you used it elsewhere in your career? Really easy setup. The only miss I would say that LinkedIn Nav Sync can do is for the few leads that actually already exist in your Salesforce, come up with a way to for the user to decide, okay, how do you want to treat those sources? So what we did was we put some automation in place that says, okay, instead of having like a Barbara or Jonathan go in there and flag things as now being Latin Navigator, I just put an automation in that if you're contacting these people through LinkedIn or if you are, as long as you're syncing it to Salesforce and have these touch points, we'll automatically take those existing leads and now mark them as Navigator. But outside of that, though, it meets every single use case. It's really easy to sync. And reporting is, once you have the source properly tagged on these leads, it's really simple. So it's plug and play for the most part. Just have to have a better way to take tackling the existing leads. And just from a a user's perspective, I mean, I really can't imagine having Navigator and not having a CRM because it's it's so valuable having those two tools um, talk to each other so easily and just so, you know, user friendly. We want to house all of the information that someone else in our company can just, you know, take a look. Who is Barb talking to at XYZ Company? I need to talk to them, I think. There are multiple reasons why someone else other than me needs to get into, you know, the information that is housed in Salesforce. 
I would say too, I've been at LinkedIn for almost five years now, always on the sales solution side. So I've seen the product evolve a fair amount and it's been pretty exciting to see some of the developments that we've made as a result of the feedback from all the sales professionals that we work with. So two things that we didn't used to have were the ability to add a contact that you find on Sales Navigator with the click of a button back to CRM, which as long as it follows all the criteria that you have set in Salesforce or your CRM in general, then like I said, you click one button and you can add that person back, which sells, saves sellers a ton of time because now we're not having to do that manually jump between instances. It's really helpful. And then the other component, uh, which is probably more exciting to Josh or anybody who's more in that sales ops realm is the data validation component, which is pretty much just a report running in the background every 24 hours to scrub your CRM in general instance and compare it to what's on LinkedIn. So we're highlighting to you and flagging contacts who have since changed jobs so that your, your CRM is always up to date uh, and not filled with contacts of people who were at their job five years ago, which we know there's been a ton of turnover in the market. So I think that's been a really, really big game changer for a lot of companies. Yeah, we've seen that on our marketing automation tool, Pardot. You know, we bolt that to Salesforce and we see it in the form of hard bounces on any email contacts we make. Recipient not found address unknown. And it's always attributed basically to a shift that person's just simply no longer where they are. Well, where did they go? They're on our list. <laughs> so we have to find out how to market to them again. Michaela, talk to me a little bit about ROI. That could be a very subjective subject. You know, it's one thing to invest in Sales Navigator and, and CRMs. It's an entirely different thing sometimes to prove that it's working. We are still nascent in the process. I think we have an idea of you know, what our ROI is right now, I'm resigned to simply say 100% of the connections and the engagement that we've generated through Sales Navigator absolutely would not have happened. So that's a 100% increase in outbound contact and lead gen. But further down the road, you know, whether it's linking to campaigns or some other metric for that return on the investment, what are some of the best practices you've seen out there? So like you said, it's a really subjective uh, matter, which I try to align on with all my customers because I work across every single vertical. So it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, depending on how long their sales cycles are. So I would say if I'm kind of summing it up, what I help companies do is look at both the qualitative feedback, kind of what you and Barb are constantly giving back, packaging that up to understand what specific deals have we influenced? Who did we talk to, right? And building that story out. So you have qualitative understanding of how this led to closed one deals. But then what's even more powerful for most of the, the CFOs or the CROs out there who are looking at dollar amounts is we basically pull all of the opportunities in CRM created since your investment with Sales Navigator and we can show you the lift in opportunities created, opportunities influenced, eventually closed one. So there's a lot of different reporting that we have on our end that after six months, we can start to give you back so that you understand, oh, this is, this is how opportunities have been influenced on more of that quantitative level. And in regards to adoption and, and you know, rolling it out, there's some built-in reporting already within 
the environment with Sales Navigator, correct? Uh, the usage reporting? Yep. There's usage reporting, which is a little bit more of that raw data. So you can understand how your users are all leveraging the tool on an individual level. And then there's more of an insight section of that reporting within Sales Navigator that speaks a bit more to the effectiveness of that use. And that is typically what I'm looking at from a coaching perspective, because we find that when you're used to using LinkedIn or Google, you know, you type somebody in and you press search every single time. And with Sales Navigator, there's a little bit more automation that you can lean into. So sometimes there's just areas of opportunity where you don't have to run as many searches and the system can start sending you things proactively. Um, but that's just a quick conversation once you look at the usage reporting and have that dialogue back and forth around what we could be doing differently and more efficiently. Barbara, you know, there's an ocean of information out there. Have you found that, you know, setting alerts, building lead lists, using in-mail, uh, watching that shared activity feed, you know, have these things helped you, you know, strategize and prioritize? Yes, absolutely. I mean, one one of the things that is absolutely invaluable is that sending an in-mail through Navigator, you, you don't have to guess at the person's email address. And it actually goes into that person's inbox in wh whatever email that, that they've used to set up LinkedIn. And so people actually get your messages. As you described, when you go into Yahoo and you search for someone, well, that's great. But they don't put their email on a, a resume or, you know, it's very, 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 that's the most difficult part without Navigator is to try to find the right email address. And when you get those bounce backs 10 times, you give up on a, on a company that you really want to do business with. And especially, you know, during the pandemic, when you can't go to their building and ask to see a person, which they probably wouldn't anyway, but just being able to, you know, have that dialogue through in-mail is just tremendously successful in terms of people communicating back. Yeah. To clarify for anybody who's not familiar with in-mail, that is just a message on LinkedIn to somebody that you're not connected to. So basically you're skipping the step of having to wait for them to accept your connection request, which most people don't do unless they know you. So you, you get to skip that step and it hits you in three places, like Barb was saying. So it hits you on the email you have associated with LinkedIn. People get a notification on their desktop. And most people these days have LinkedIn on their phone. So they'll get a push notification. So you kind of get three touches in one, which also helps with driving up those response rates. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. Jonathan, as you asked about, you know, using some of the tools as far as uh, creating lists, um, that is tremendously helpful. We, we have a a campaign coming up here where we want to really spotlight our a la carte services that we offer. And as I go through my day and discover, you know, all of these new contacts, it is not far reaching to say that in one day I could easily have 75 new good quality contacts actually with those people. Perhaps 25 of them, as I've come across them and dialogued with them, uh, I might decide, okay, these 25 over here will probably be best for the campaign that's coming up. And so I'm able to create a list for that campaign coming up, you know, just as I go through my day. And as the marketing material is being created, by the time it's created, I will have, you know, hopefully somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 really good 
companies to target for those particular services. And, and that that is tremendously helpful. And I like to create custom lists for companies that are extremely large, you know, over 5,000 people, and then talk a little bit differently to a list of companies that have um, 200 people, because those, those are different conversations. But being able to strategize with, with those kinds of lists is very helpful. And going back to some of that messaging you're doing too, that's not just text, but there's the ability to also include digital links or a link to the internet, or even include possibly a PDF, you know, collateral right there in, in line with that message, correct? Good point. For uh, perhaps contacts who just don't want to respond, you know, okay, my feelings aren't hurt, <laughs> but here's a link to, you know, what we do offer. So that's just not another message coming at them. Like you said, you can either put in a link or put in a PDF file um, just to let them know this is what we do. If you're interested in, it's just a click for them and they don't have to talk to a person. I've seen marketing teams use smart links, which is the component or the capability within Sales Navigator to upload and track the engagement with that link. And a lot of marketing teams use it for more of that top of funnel gauge, if you will, because usually they're sending out higher volume, right, of either they're targeting a higher volume or maybe a trade show is coming up, something like that. And it's like, hey, here's here's more information about our offering. You include that hyperlink and now you understand, okay, I sent this to 10,000 people. Here are the 300 that clicked into it. And here's what part of that collateral they spent the most time on. So it's beneficial for everybody because then they say to sales, hey, here are the people that are most engaged. You go target them. On the marketing side, we'll refine our messaging to speak to the things that people seem to care about, right? Based on what they were looking at. And then it's dollars spent in the right areas and the sales team converting at a higher rate. So it tends to be a win-win all around and you can use it at all stages of that revenue funnel. I love that from a digital marketing perspective, that ability to have the little bit of insight, you know, built in native to sales navigators, the ability to see if, frankly, somebody clicked on something that you sent them or engaged with it, or uh, if you wanted to go so far as to say conversion, it's about, again, being able to see if they align with our message, interact with it, and possibly segue to the next phase, you know, whether it's a offline conversation or a proposal, you know, things of that nature. But it starts with that little digital kernel of information saying you're on the right path, person engaged, and that's how you should forge ahead and prioritize. Yeah. And I think the difference too, I know there's a lot of platforms out there that do something different. The thing I like about SmartLinks is, again, it's already in the platform we're using. It's built into Sales Navigator and you get the information on who is looking, right? Like a lot of platforms say somebody opened that that link you sent and that's all of the insight you get. Whereas we tell you, hey, this name at this company with this title is looking at your proposal or what have you in this very moment. And so now you know, hey, if it's maybe somebody who has like a coordinator title or intern title, that might not be the person that I'm going to be following up with, right? It might be a starting point for us to work our way up to the person who's ultimately going to make the decision. So it gives you a ton of intel around where you should be spending your time too, which I feel like can be a gap in other sort of engagement platforms. So Barbara, how would you feel the implementation was? You've definitely been the largest adopter of the platform. I mean, how was it taught and communicated? How has the support been? 
the support has been tremendous. I mean, Michaela always so very available and full of very good suggestions, but she explains things very well. Also, the implementation was, it seemed like it was a day, maybe it was a couple of days. I I, honestly, I don't remember. It just was very fast. And once all of that happened, you know, we were just off to the races. Yeah. That and the follow-up and the ad hoc emails from Michaela as well with informational articles, you know, the things relevant to our, our learning curve, uh, additional assets, not just locked into a tool that trains you on the tool, but actually applicable information. Let's put it that way. I would say too, that is a testament to everybody on the turtle side engagement as well, because I work with a lot of people who are very tech savvy. They've used LinkedIn forever, but there's nobody championing the program internally. So it makes it harder to get off to the races when we don't have somebody owning the initiative on both sides and really being able to communicate, hey, here's what we need help with. This is how we're going to roll it out together based on what our appetite is for that change. Because change management is really hard. And I know at Turtle, we're going to start to roll it out to a new team now, but that wasn't the case originally, right? We really needed to prove the value on this side first before some other people wanted to dip their toes in the water. So I just want to say thank you to all of you on the turtle side for being as engaged as you are and asking the questions you have, because that is a really, really big part of us being able to see the success together. Well, we appreciate that. And Josh, uh, I think Michaela brings up an important point. So we're not just one and done with the integrated supply division with a few users. We're looking to bring it out across the entire organization, electrical and industrial distribution that's turning 100 years old next year. What kind of uh, advancement should we look forward to, you know, as we get into our 100th year and we have a tool like Sales Navigator at our back? It's pretty clear everyone knows that integrated is the driving force for Navigator. So they did a heck of a job getting that up and running distribution, what we did there is first we tried to understand what the demand is. And we made the team aware of what that tool actually is, sent out a big survey, videos and all that. So we got up well over 100 responses from distribution on a whole bunch of feedback. It's not just, hey, do you want Navigator? We went beyond that. And we said, okay, everyone has their own unique way in distribution to get leads and how they're finding it. So we asked them a bunch of questions on how they're finding leads. And the whole point there is, to not just say, okay, hey, distribution, you have to use Navigator. We want to also help them because distribution side is one negative there is that they have hardly any time available. We are going to make it so that they can also have help. So we'll have a few licenses set aside for them to have people hunt for leads for them. But then there's also going to be some distribution people that want to find the tool themselves. So just strictly based on the results of that survey, if we truly give licenses out based on exactly what they said, we could take our current set of licenses and go up by five times that if we have the ROI. So over time, we're going to track it and try to justify getting more licenses. But we're going to start with the licenses we have today. Well, we're going to set aside one or two of them for marketing team or someone that will actually hunt based on the feedback we received in the survey. And there'll be three or four of those licenses set aside for distribution. And it's going to, the cool thing about LinkedIn Navigator is that you can rotate licenses seamlessly. So... Yeah, InMail has limitations on you can send 50 times a month if the people don't reply. But the cool thing is you can rotate that license to another person at Turtle and they start fresh every time. So if you if you max out on your license, you could just slip it to someone else and they're good to go. LinkedIn Navigator is really flexible there and that's what we appreciate about it. So distribution hasn't even kicked off yet. 
we now have a baseline of what they want to do, who has the tool, who wants the tool, who needs help using it. Now we're going to kick it off this week or next week with buy-in from all those people. So we're at a good stepping point for them, but we're not as far as integrated as yet. Michaela, I wanted to plug the app real quick because in reference to Josh's uh, rollout plans for our distribution side, you know, he referenced those end users don't have a lot of time, you know, and basically it appears there's a, a standalone app for Sales Navigator different from LinkedIn. Uh, what would be the benefits of that getting add onto everyone's phones, uh, saving time, uh, just a, a clean interface? Uh, both, I would say, especially pre-pandemic, I worked with a lot of customers who were on the road. They were outside sales, so they'd have the app on their phone. Say they were going to, I don't know, Minneapolis. They'd type in the zip code they're going to, throw on a radius within the search and see who else they could be talking to while they're out there. And you can do that all pretty seamlessly within the, the app. So everything was done on their phone. And still, same thing post-pandemic, where maybe people aren't as much of road warriors now. Navigator can seriously save a company a lot of travel costs. The job that I do traditionally, pre-pandemic, you know, I would have been wrapping up, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of $4,000 a month in travel costs. And now I can do all of that and get there faster with Navigator. It's a separation from your your personal LinkedIn. So you can get all of that information on maybe the people you used to work with, former colleagues, former customers in free LinkedIn on that app, but keep everything specific to where you're at now in Sales Navigator. So I like having that separation because it's almost like personal and professional and we we don't mix them because we know that people build their networks over time um, and your leads today might be different than who they are in 10 years. And I have the app open in front of me right now actually and I see that all that activity, copying notes, logging calls, there is the ability to push that straight through to the CRM. There is. Yep. Pretty much all of the capabilities you have within the desktop version you have on the app, which again, for people who are on the move and don't have a ton of time and prefer to work off of their phone is typically the way to go. You just have to queue, queue up the information you want pushed to you. Uh, and then from there, the system starts working in your favor. And a lot of it is automated. You know, I just wanted to comment too on the limitation of being able to send only so many in-mails in Navigator. However, and Michaela, you can explain this a little bit better than I can. Each time you get a response back in Navigator, then you get credits back for additional mail. And I can tell you because I follow the methodology that Navigator teaches, I am able to get so many, so many people dialoguing back to me that it, at this point, I, ha I have more credits than I could probably use in a month. And it just continues to, to climb and to climb. And so I have not had any trouble butting up against the wall that I can't with that limitation because I get so many people back. And the other thing that I wanted to just touch on too is I think because we went through the pandemic and people are so used to connecting electronically and communicating electronically, it, it has been... Um, an eye-opening experience in the last couple of weeks. I, in the old days, before the pandemic, before we were all communicating on computers, the typical way to get into a company was to start somewhere near the bottom, maybe mid-level, and then make your relationships as you climb up that ladder over time. Well, with Navigator, and because people are so used to communicating electronically, I have just been going 
to the vice president of a particular segment that I want to talk to, and as well as talking to uh, the people who report up through that group. But when I go right into the vice president of something, they respond very quickly. Just because I've, I've only just sort of started this experiment in the last you know week or so, I'm going to definitely be changing my, <laughs> just you know shifting a little bit, talking to the, the real decision makers faster than prior to pandemic. And on the marketing side too, because if you are targeting, if you have visibility into the exact titles and names of the people that you want to talk to at your target companies, that is saving a ton of ad dollars because on the marketing side, you know, marketing budgets are usually bigger than sales budgets, but a lot of it goes wasted because you're just saying it's a lot more vague than sales navigator. It's like, Hey, here's a general idea of who we want to target. Here's a lot of money that we're going to put behind it and hope for the best. I believe that term is spray and pray. Yes. So. <laughs> I know you're much more dialed in, but there's a lot of companies out there who who aren't as specific with who they're targeting. And so when you can get that visibility with Sales Navigator and take a more strategic approach, both to the marketing and sales side, it can save a ton of money. Well, I appreciate everyone's time, Michaela. Again, we're looking forward to bigger and better things. Sales Navigators definitely, you know, extended our reach and opened our eyes to a potential client base that, you know, we absolutely wouldn't have been able to rationalize as quickly without Sales Navigator. And Barbara, again, my peer, my colleague, my SME, we frequently talk offline to learn the ways of Sales Navigator. I appreciate your time and your leadership and using the tool. And of course, Josh, your, your background support is always pivotal to that seamless digital connection throughout all these various platforms and trying to bring order out of chaos. <laughs>